The new lawsuit we reported earlier against former President Trump over the Capitol riot adds to his legal challenges now that he's out of office. For the most part, they are state, criminal, and civil investigations. But what conduct is still being looked at, and what, if any, consequences may result? Andrea Bernstein of public radio station WNYC has been reporting on Trump finances as part of their Trump, Inc. project. And Andrea Bernstein, welcome back to the NewsHour. My first question, now that uh, Donald Trump is out of office, is he in more legal trouble or less? Well, he's certainly in a lot of legal trouble. I mean, we do know in the impeachment trial that the argument was he couldn't be convicted because he was out of office. But that's the only case that I know of where it's better for him to have not been president. And and there are now, I mean, we look today with you, and there are now so many legal actions uh, surrounding uh, the former president that it's hard to keep track of all of them. But you were telling us that it's the criminal investigations that may be uh, most serious. Explain what those are about. What he now faces in at least two jurisdictions that we know of are criminal charges. The most far along is the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation, which has not resulted in an indictment. The Manhattan District Attorney is looking at possibly indicting Donald Trump for bank fraud, insurance fraud, and tax fraud. The second criminal investigation is much more recent, and this is in Fulton County, Georgia, where the district attorney there is looking at whether President Trump, then President Trump, violated racketeering and other statutes when he tried to overturn the election in Georgia. Last episode, I explored Donnie Boy's Russian piggy bank and Russian laundromat via an interview with Carter Page. I also stressed my total disbelief at how the Mueller investigation just happened to omit any financial investigation into Trump's Moscow money madness. As I've said in the past, I'll continue digging into this. But first, I wanted to do a little Trump update on Donnie's current state of affairs. It's so out of control that it feels like a segment of SNL Weekend Update. So as Chris Cuomo says, and don't get me started on his brother, it's a totally different series I could do. Let's get after it. So only Donald J. Trump, a twice impeached one-term president of these here United States, and the biggest carny barker since P.T. Barnum, could be in a situation post-presidency where he will either land in the pokey from a variety of looming criminal and civil charges or potentially become president again in 2024. I mean, try and wrap your mind around that for a minute. What the fuck? Even after the Capitol insurrection and a second impeachment, this fucking guy is really living up to Gotti's moniker, the Teflon Don. One would think that all his zombie political allies would have used this moment to run for the hills and distance themselves from this nuclear mess. But his most powerful GOP ass-kissers are still sucking from the Trump teat. Donald Trump was my friend 
um, before the riot, and I'm trying to keep a relationship with him after the riot. Uh, I still consider him a friend. Uh, what happened was a dark day in American history, and we're going to move forward. So here's what you need to know about me. I want this to continue. I want us to continue the policies that I think will make America strong. I believe the best way for the Republican Party to do that is with Trump, not without Trump. Not only does he show no remorse, I mean, he's still telling everyone he won in a landslide. Yeah, and, and I tell him every day that he wants to listen that I think the main reason he probably lost in Arizona is beating on the dead guy called John McCain. Do you think you could have won re-election without being an ardent supporter of President Trump? Here's the thing. My election's over. Yeah. I could throw him over tomorrow. Right. Why aren't I? Yeah. That's what I really don't understand. Okay, well, then you don't understand me very much. That's I the, don't. That's why I'm asking That's you. right. So that I could say, you know, that's it, it's over, it's done. That's just too easy. What's hard is to take a movement that I think is good for the country, uh, try to get the leader of the movement who has got lots of problems facing him and the party and see if we can make a go of it. Mitt Romney didn't do it, John McCain didn't do it. There's something about Trump. There's a dark side and there's some magic there. What I'm trying to do is just harness the magic to me, Donald Trump is sort of a cross between uh, uh, Jesse Helms, uh, Ronald Reagan, and P.T. Barnum. I mean, it's just, it's just this bigger-than-life deal. He could make the Republican Party something that nobody else I know could make it. He could make it bigger. He could make it stronger. He could make it more diverse. Um, and he also could destroy it. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with these guys? Are they reading from Politics for Dummies? First, Mitch McConnell says he has to answer for the events on January 6, 2021. And then in the same breath, he votes against impeachment. You got Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, echoing McConnell's sentiment. But then he too forgets to impeach Trump. And then he flies down to Mar-a-Lago to kiss the ring of the deposed emperor. So let me unpack a few of the things that Donnie is currently on the hook for. Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance, who is investigating Trump and his family business in a criminal matter at the local level, just got the Supreme Court to clear the way to obtain former President Trump's tax returns. Dealing a massive blow to Donnie Boy. New York Attorney General Letitia James is also looking into his business dealings. One thing I can turn around and tell you, he should start maybe speaking to somebody about getting a custom-made jumpsuit because um, it does not look good for him. That's my prediction. Not mincing words, that was Donald Trump's former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, on this network just a few days ago, predicting that Trump should be preparing for the worst after the United States Supreme Court declined to block a New York grand jury from getting the former president's tax returns. Today, we know that those tax returns are in the hands of Manhattan DA Cy Vance after the subpoena was enforced on Monday. 
While the Supreme Court's ruling doesn't mean the documents will become public anytime soon or ever, it does signify a broad investigation of hush money payments and other financial issues over the course of the last eight years that very well could spell trouble for Donald Trump. As our friend Tim O'Brien writes in Bloomberg, a dam that Trump has spent decades fortifying around his finances and tax returns has been broken. And Vance's investigation appears to be broad enough to pose a serious criminal threat to the former president, his three eldest children, and the Trump Organization. Joining our conversation is the author of that piece, senior columnist for Bloomberg Opinion, Tim O'Brien. I mean, what is the the dam breaking? What what does Cy Vance have in its entirety that no one has ever seen before? Well, the the first thing to remember is that it's not just the tax returns; it's the it's the work product with his accountants, and this is a criminal case. So what's really important here is that he, of course, he has the tax returns, but he has something much more than the tax returns. Uh, the period of time he has is important because it predates t- Trump's ascent into the White House and I think helps build uh, the narrative around uh, the money trail and Trump's motivations for his um, destructive and obscene dance with people like Vladimir Putin. Um, it's a shame they couldn't go back further. I think this is one of the um, tragic misses of Robert Mueller's investigation. He could have gone back further, I think, than Cy Vance is able to into Trump's finances. But nonetheless, it's a substantial period of time. Um, and then it also you know, targets people inside the Trump organization who might flip on Trump if they're exposed to criminal liabilities. All of that's important. And then I think the, you know, the brass ring in all of this is that if Trump has a criminal conviction, he cannot run for president again, and that's looming over this entire thing as well. Prosecutors at Vance's office are now focusing their efforts on Trump's former CFO, Alan the Weasel Weisselberg, and two of his adult sons in an effort to flip the weasel against Trump. I wonder if Trump gave the weasel his nickname. I know he likes nicknames. Officer of the Trump Organization is facing new scrutiny from prosecutors in New York City. That's according to new reporting from ProPublica. The organization reports that Alan Weisselberg is under investigation by the Office of Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance. Let's bring in Peter Alkind. He's a senior reporter for ProPublica and the author of that report on Weisselberg. He joins me now from Fort Worth, Texas. Peter, thank you so much for being with us. Remind us, first of all, of Alan Weisselberg's role within the Trump Organization. You write that he has a reputation as, quote, the ultimate company man. What was his role? Oh, absolutely. Alan Weisselberg is uh the oldest and most trusted employee within the Trump Organization. He serves officially as a CFO, uh, but he handles all kinds of critical tasks for the for the company and the family. Uh, he served on the Trump Foundation, uh, and he's um, currently co-running the business with Donald Trump's sons. And what specifically is it, Peter, that New York prosecutors are looking at when it comes to Weisselberg? Well, they're looking at what role he played in the Stormy Daniels payments, uh, the hush money payments that were made uh, to keep Stormy Daniels from discussing her alleged affair with Donald Trump. And the federal prosecutors who uh, investigated Michael Cohen and won a guilty uh, plea from him uh, for campaign finance violations came up, found evidence that the Trump Organization had falsified its business records. And that's what the New York prosecutors are now looking at, the district attorney whether individuals in the Trump Organization, the Trump Organization itself, 
should be charged with falsification of, of business records. Sound familiar? When in doubt, go after the taxes, a la Al Capone. It works every time. Continuing on, let's circle back to the horrific attack on the Capitol. As the FBI continues rounding up and charging the psychopaths of the Trump cult, who directly moved on the Capitol, Rep, Benny Thompson, and the NAACP are suing Trump for allegedly conspiring with extremist groups ahead of the deadly January 6th riot at the Capitol. Just days after the former president was again acquitted in his unprecedented second impeachment trial, and Democratic Rep. Eric Swalwell filed another suit, alleging that Trump, his son Don Jr., attorney Rudy Giuliani, and Republican Rep. Mo Brooks not only incited the riot, but also aided and abetted rioters. As a result, the suit claims Swalwell and hundreds of others, including police officers, other elected officials and rank and file workers at the Capitol were put in mortal danger. The former president is facing yet another legal challenge of his own in federal court. Today, California Congressman and former impeachment manager Eric Swalwell filed a lawsuit against President Trump, his son Donald Trump Jr., plus Rudy Giuliani and the Alabama Congressman Mo Brooks, all for their alleged roles in the Capitol riots. A civil suit alleges conspiracy to violate civil rights, plus negligence inciting a riot and inflicting emotional distress. In response, a spokesman for the former president called Congressman Swalwell a lowlife with no credibility. NBC's justice correspondent Pete Williams is with us now. Pete, what's the significance of this civil suit? Well, certainly more trouble for the presidentship. It's, uh, this one basically takes the House impeachment article over the Capitol riot and turns it into a federal civil lawsuit. It says that the siege was a direct and foreseeable consequence of the months of claims by Mr. Trump and the others in the lawsuit that the election was stolen. They all spoke at the rally, all those who were sued before the riot, and the lawsuit says they whipped up the crowd for violence. Like a similar lawsuit filed last month by Congressman Benny Thompson of Mississippi and the NAACP, this one also invokes a federal civil rights law that allows lawsuits against government officials for claims that they conspired to violate civil rights. So Swalwell's lawsuit says that Trump began accusing Democrats of trying to steal the election well before the voting began. It says after the votes were tabulated, he and the others named in the suit conspired to undermine confidence in the results. Also filed under the He's Fucked Department is another criminal charge for his phone call to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, where Dirty Donnie asked him to find him enough votes to somehow declare him the state's winner over Joe Biden. Still talking about this. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis opened a criminal investigation into Tricky Trump's call, confirming that the state was also probing Trump's call to Raffensperger. But wait, there's more. You also got another investigation with D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine. 
who filed a lawsuit last month against Trump's 2017 inaugural committee in the Trump Organization for allegedly overcharging the committee for the use of the Trump Hotel in D.C. during the festivities. This is in direct conflict with a constitutional clause which says you can't do side deals to make the funny money while you're the president. It's very Tony Soprano of him doing back alley deals with Hesh. President Trump has been accused of profiting off of his presidency, and today a lawsuit to determine if he violated the Constitution reached its highest level thus far. At issue is the rarely used emoluments clause, which basically says the president can't accept money from a foreign state. In this case, a lawsuit filed by the attorneys general of D.C. and Maryland point to the profits brought in by the Trump International Hotel. It's just down the street from the White House. It's the landmark converted former post office building just steps from the mall, a popular spot for visiting foreign governments. Now, you all remember the classic Access Hollywood gotcha moment where Donnie says you got to grab the pussy, right? So it should come as no surprise that in New York, Trump is the subject of two defamation lawsuits from women who say the former president sexually assaulted them years before his presidency. Claims he adamantly denied. Former L columnist E. Jean Carroll filed suit against Trump in 2019, arguing the former president defamed her while repeatedly denying that he raped her in a New York City department store in the 90s. Separately, Trump is facing another defamation lawsuit filed by former Apprentice contestant Summer Zervos, who accused the former TV host of sexual assault during the 2016 campaign. Man, I'd like to be the insurance company that he has sexual harassment cover with. Women are very special. I think it's a very special time because a lot of things are coming out, and I think that's good for our society, and I think it's very, very good for women. And I'm very happy a lot of these things are coming out, and I'm very happy, I'm very happy it's being exposed. Yeah, that's it, with the gold. I gotta use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful, I just start kissing them, it's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. Are you saying that what you said on that bus 11 years ago, that you did not actually kiss women without consent or grope women without consent? I have great respect for women. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. So for the record, said, you're saying you never did that? I said things that, frankly, you, you hear these things, I said. And I was embarrassed by it. But I have tremendous respect for women. Have you ever and done those things? have respect for me. And I will tell you, no, I have not. He just started grabbing me and trying to kiss me. And then I realized that he was, that he was putting his hand up my skirt. And I'm talking to my friend who I'm sitting to and across from um, on my left side. I'm very clear on this. This is the vivid part for me. So the person on my right, who unbeknownst to me at that time was Donald Trump, put their hand up my skirt. 
he did touch my vagina through my underwear. Absolutely. Donald sat me right next to him. He placed me right next to him. And that was the time when he started to go for it and had his hand on my leg, moving forward, and went for it, touching my private parts. Pushing me up against the wall, forcing me to kiss, uh, you know, forcing a kiss on me, and again with his hands all over my body, and up again my dress with the hands. And it was at that time where he turned to me and um, embraced me and gave me a kiss on the lips. I remember him coming out and the first thing he did was just smile and give me a warm embrace with another kiss. And I remember immediately thinking, what does he think this is? When I saw him at the debate and Anderson Cooper asked him, have you ever kissed a woman without consent? And he said, no. I, um, I just think all those feelings rushed back to me. I felt that it was my responsibility to write something at that point. He then grabbed my shoulder and began kissing me again very aggressively and placed his hand on my breast. I pulled back and walked to another part of the room. He then walked up, grabbed my hand, and walked me into the bedroom. I walked out. He then turned me around and said, let's lay down and watch some telly telly. He put me in an embrace, in an embrace and I tried to push him away. I pushed his chest to put space between us, and I said, come on, man, get real. He repeated my words back to me, get real, as he began thrusting his genitals. Every woman lied when they came forward to hurt my campaign. Total fabrication. <laughs> the events never happened, never. The most recent Trump travesty comes in the form of what he really does best, and that's sue people. Trump had his attorneys send cease and desist letters to three Republican groups, this is his own team, asking them to stop using the former president's name and likeness in fundraising appeals and merchandise. Guess he wants to be the only one profiting off of a giant golden statue of himself. The letters were sent to the Republican National Committee, the National Republican Congressional Committee, and the National Republican Senate Committee. These are just arms of the party tasked with raising money and shaping message, among other things, for the midterm elections and beyond. This just all happened after the annual CPAC convention, which this year, was renamed, in spirit, TPAC for Trump. Trump has mostly stayed holed up at Mar-a-Lago since he left the White House. Only coming out of his exile to speak at CPAC, where he was surrounded by fellow cult members. Now, in closing, I have to say, I read an interesting article about how cable news ratings are going in the toilet. So... For Donnie Boy, I guess that's a win. 
former President Trump's lawyers have sent cease and desist letters to three prominent Republican organizations, the RNC, the NR, NRCC, and the NRSC, requesting that they stop using Trump's name and image to raise money for the GOP. Democratic strategist Connor Harrow and our colleague, national political reporter at The Hill, Jonathan Easley, join us now to discuss. Great to see you both, gentlemen. Good to see you guys. Morning. Hey, guys. Um, Jonathan, just break down for us what happened and what it means. Yeah, well, I mean, it's actually kind of hard to overstate how important this is. I mean, in addition to Trump's policies being very popular among Republicans, he's good for two things, fundraising and generating enthusiasm. And this is essentially depriving House and Senate Republicans of his fundraising prowess at a time when they're trying to retake majorities in, in both chambers. And, you know, it, it's hard to see this as anything other than payback for the 10 House Republicans and the seven Senate Republicans that voted to impeach Trump, in addition, obviously, to the, the battle that ensued between Trump and, and Mitch McConnell. But I mean, I, I can tell you that these fundraising mailers that go out from the RNC, from the NRSC, from the NRCC, the ones that have Trump's names name on them or his likeness or uses uh, his family in any way to raise money are among the most profitable fundraising pitches that that Republicans have. And so, uh, you know, I think we'll still continue to see Trump's name on on some of these. I think he's 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 told these eight these uh, these groups that they need his permission to use his name. And I imagine he'll give that in some instances. But uh, it's it's definitely a, a big development as Republicans seek to take back the House and Senate. Please welcome the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Do you miss me yet? Do you miss me? I'm going to continue to fight right by your side. We will do what we've done right from the beginning, which is to win. We're not starting new parties. You know, they kept saying, he's going to start a brand new party. We have the Republican Party. It's going to unite and be stronger than ever before. I am not starting a new party. Many people have asked, what is Trumpism? A new term being used more and more. I'm hearing that term more and more. I didn't come up with it. It means low taxes and eliminating job-killing regulations, Trumpism. It means strong borders. It means no riots in the streets. It means law enforcement. It means very strong protection for the Second Amendment and the right to keep and bear arms. It means support for the forgotten men and women who have been taken advantage of for so many years, and they were doing great. And it means a strong military. And of course, we respect our great American flag. <laughs> You know, when you think about, we love you, you're saying that about, I hate to say it, am I a politician? I don't know, maybe I'm a politician. I hate to, I hate to admit it, but that's really, it's an honor that you would say it. We believe in patriotic education and strongly oppose the radical indoctrination of America's youth. Horrible. We embrace free thought, we stand up to political correctness, and we reject left-wing lunacy, and in particular, we reject cancel culture. 
This election was rigged, and the Supreme Court and other courts didn't want to do anything about it. We need election integrity and election reform immediately. Republicans should be the party of honest elections that can give everyone confidence in the future of our country. Without honest elections, who has confidence? Who has confidence? With your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate. And then a Republican president will make a triumphant return to the White House. And I wonder who that will be. I wonder who that will be. Next time on Trump Mafia. Manafort has ties to other Trump associates like Roger Stone, who are also under scrutiny for their connections to Russia. Elaine, both are expected to, call, to be called to testify before the House Intelligence Committee. He's made tens of millions of dollars. Now, he has denied any sort of wrongdoing, but the question is, in this case, are his ties to Russian operatives, Russian officials? He says that he has not done any work for the Russian government, but it is these relationships that he's had through his business uh, with Russian billionaires.